and welcome to the podcast, a podcast produced by the College of Applied Science and Technology at Illinois State University. I'm your host, Kira Snyder, and I serve as the Assistant Dean of Marketing, Communications, and Constituent Relations for the college. Each episode, we're sitting down with an alum of the college, and today we have a chance to talk to Bobby Pilla. Bobby is an alum of the Department of Technology and currently serves as the Vice President of Service for North America eMobility at ABB. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you as well, Kara. I appreciate it. This is a, a wonderful opportunity. I was excited when you reached out to me about this opportunity and just want to be able to have an open conversation and you get to know me a little bit and, and others can as well. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So let's start at the beginning. Why did you choose ISU? Well, I was an athlete since the age of eight years old, and I came to ISU on a football scholarship. So I was blessed to receive a scholarship to play football at the next level. And after a couple of different schools that were on my list, I selected Illinois State because it it felt right. And the people that I became friends with during my recruiting visits, I mean, it was just a wonderful feeling. It felt like this was the school that I needed to go to. And I made that decision and I I don't look back. Now, did you come in as a technology major or did you find your major while you were a student here? Well, I found the major upon entering Illinois State. My first major was business because my older brother, when he went to school, But then I found out quickly that business was not what I wanted to pursue. I was more of a a techie in a sense. Uh, You know, I I was very good with my hands, building things, breaking things to fix things. And so I did some research and then I came across computer systems within the, uh, the cast group. And that's what I did. And then I took that as my major. And then I had business as my minor at that point in time, in which the combination of the two definitely helped. Yeah, that sounds like a perfect fit. You know, it had to be so challenging balancing a major, a minor, and being a student athlete. What was that like for you? Uh, A lot of time management, right? I mean, one, you have to be focused your first time going to school away from home. So the first year was very, very challenging. I mean, just, you know, learning how the overall time management works. We had practice. We had what was called study table. We had workouts, and then you look at from an educational standpoint, right? You have, even though the class schedules are different from high school, it's still very challenging with everything else that you had to go on. So my first year in college was was a bit of a struggle to get adjusted. But after that, and with the assistance that we had from the athletic department in regards to just, you know, helping us adapt, things became a lot uh, easier as we went forward. Tell us about what you learned while you were on campus, balancing all of that. I imagine you picked up a lot of time management skills, the ability to prioritize. How has that carried over into your career? Well, it carried over to my career exactly what you said. I mean, from a prioritization standpoint, being able to multitask multiple things at once. And when you think about the prioritization, it really lets you focus on what is important right now. And then you go down from a sequence standpoint on what's next and what's next and what's next. So going into my professional career from those skills that I learned was very, very helpful for me, you know, just learning what to do, how to do, how to focus. And then it helped propel me within my career. What was that initial job search like for you? And what was your first job? Well, so we didn't have a lot of time, you know, with playing sports and things, but 
Going into my senior year, I had an opportunity to engage into an internship with Sherwin-Williams. So I wanted to go into their technical side of the business, but they had a, a pretty good process in place that if you were hired upon after your college graduation, they wanted all of their employees, regardless of what department you worked in, to work in the store so that you could understand the, the customer side of things. So when I graduated December of 99, Sherwin-Williams hired me. They relocated me to Springfield, Illinois, and I was an assistant store manager. And that was part of my internship as well, was working in a store in Bloomington, which was a very great experience. I mean, learning to be around people, understanding from a customer perspective. I learned a lot of valuable skills from that job, which also helps me today. Again, just being from a customer service perspective, it's just a valuable experience. So that's one of the things that we can talk about as we move on through this podcast. I love that you got that hands-on experience and that they were able to really tee that up for you and make it so that you were able to hit the ground running in that role. Walk us through, take us from being in a Sherwin-Williams store to now being the vice president of service for North America. That's an entire continent. So that's, walk us through that career path. Yes, yes, yes. So I actually had interviewed with ABB during the same time that I had the internship with Sherwin-Williams, but they were not hiring at the time when I graduated. So, of course, any college student wants to go and have a job right away, and, and you're in a good position if you have a job lined up prior to graduation. So when I moved to Springfield, Illinois, ABB reached back out. They had an office in Auburn Hills, Michigan, which is I grew up in Detroit, so it's about an hour north of Detroit. And they uh, reengaged me again and said, hey, are you still interested in you know, interviewing again? So I said yes and flew back home, had some time to spend with my mom at the time and went up to the Auburn Hills office. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, they called me back and said, basically asked me, do you want to come home? I said, absolutely. So I was hired with the ABB Robotics Group as a field service engineer. So I was with Sherwin-Williams for all of, officially with Sherwin-Williams for all of about four months. And then I put in uh, my resignation to go and do what I wanted to do, which was be on the technical side and just so lucky to be on the robotic side. Right. And at that time, Illinois State did not have a robotics lab, but they had it after I graduated. So it was a good combination, a good relationship that we've continued to build with Illinois State. And if you go into the CAS department now within the robotics lab, all of their robots in there are ABB robots. Yeah, that's a super cool space. I love bringing in people that haven't been to campus yet and showing them that it's such a hands-on experience for our students. So how many years have you been with ABB then? In total, well, this would be my, my 24th year. So just to give you a little bit of context, right? When I started as a field service engineer, I traveled across the U.S. And the first five years, I was on the road 90% of the time. I mean, I was lucky to be home, you know, six, six or eight days a month at a max. And there was a lot of things going on in my life at the time. I had gotten married in 2000 when I took this job. And you can just imagine what I put my poor wife through at the time, but traveling 90% of the time. But it was something that I wanted to do. She supported me wholeheartedly. And it was a, a valuable, valuable experience, not only just from a customer service perspective, but being able to travel the world, being able to put yourself in a situation of 
different types of customers, different type of products. I mean, from a robotics standpoint, I always tell people that robotics or some sort of technology in that sense touches 94, 95% of what we do day in and day out, meaning the cars that you drive, the food that you eat. Robotics touches anything that needs to be manufactured at a fast pace. So it was a, a very good space to be in and a lot of a lot of good experiences there. So fast forward to where I'm at today. I got into management in 2006. I had time frame, went back and received my master's degree in industrial management, which helped enhance my business minor. And ever since 2006, I was in some form of management with increasing responsibility as the years went on. And in 2010, I was promoted from a field service manager to director of, of U.S. and Mexico for robotics service. And I did that for about seven years or so. And then I decided to make a change within ABB. I wanted to learn a different side of the business, more on the front end side with sales, project management and things of that nature. And that turned out to be in 2022, I had the opportunity to come to the role that I'm in now, which I uh, took the role for the e-mobility side, which is electric vehicle infrastructure or from a charging space. And just like when I entered into robotics, it was the sexy space at the time. And now we look at what's going on in the EV world. It's the sexy space at the time. I mean, there's a lot of investments. A lot of companies are starting to manufacture and produce electric vehicles. And that's going to be the next wave for the next five to 10 years. So I accepted that job as vice president of U.S. at that time. And as of January this year, I accepted, uh, I guess, additional responsibility to take over North America. That's a great story. And I'm curious because I feel like it can be rare to find someone who's been loyal to one company for 24 years. Tell us how you continually found new growth opportunities and continued to challenge yourself while being at the same company. For me, it was just, I knew what I wanted to do when I first hired in from day one that I wanted to be in management. And so I always sought out opportunities that will provide me the skill set to be in that position. So every project that I had in the first five years helped propel me with learning critical skills, critical people skills, sitting down in customer meetings face to face, understanding their challenges, understanding their needs and their requests. When things weren't going right, you know, how do you resolve those issues? And, you know, one of the key things that I learned in service is never to say no. And I know never is a, is a tough word to swallow, but from a customer perspective, a customer just wants their product to work. If they pay thousands of dollars or millions of dollars for a product or an asset, they want it to work. So instead of saying no, what I learned from a lot of the mentors and things that I had and sitting back in some of these meetings early on was not saying no, but understanding how can we say yes? Can we come to some sort of an agreement? Can we come to some sort of a middle ground? Because the customer, again, you know, they're never wrong. That's a cliche that they use in the market, but how can we meet their expectations? And it doesn't need to be 100% all the time towards the customer, but finding a way to provide a solution that helps both parties, and that's the goal. So those are some of the other things that I've learned along that line. So tell me, you said you moved into management in, was it 2006, 2007? Yes. Okay. Uh, how would you describe your leadership style? So my leadership style is more like a coach, like a coach of a sports team. 
It's more so of, of really getting down to the level and understanding your employees, understanding your team, and then also understanding that you were in that situation before as well. So I kind of look at it from a twofold perspective. As an employee, you want people to hear you. You want people to understand your point of view. And when I got into management, I mean, I pretty much reversed that mindset and said, okay, well, how can I be successful? How can I be different? And it's truly just understanding your team from an individual standpoint of knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are. You make an assessment and then you identify the areas of what, from their strengths, how they can get stronger and then look at the areas of where they can improve upon and then you help them get stronger in that sense. And then again, from the mindset of being a coach, you have to collectively take all of that and have them work together and find a way that they can work together with their strengths. And that's how you build a successful team. So from a management perspective, you know, I've, I've learned to allow people the room to fail because from failure, that's where you gain success. Then you coach them and you teach them through those moments of what they could have done differently. And it, it's worked out pretty well. I'm thinking about our students that are either preparing for an internship or about to enter the job market. Do you have any recommendations for them on how they could be more coachable? You know, I think that could be something really key when you have a supervisor who's as invested as you are. How can a student come across as coachable and willing to learn? Well, really, you know, from a coachability standpoint, it's basically having the mindset that you don't know it all. Be vulnerable, be open to learn, be open to listen. It's not necessarily saying that you have to do, again, follow the exact path. It's just like, you know, from a math test. We're taught a certain way, but as you gain that certain level of experience, you, then you can find other ways to still get to the same answer. So it's really just being open and being true to yourself on the direction that you want to do and being, again, vulnerable to, to be able to listen. I mean, if you think that you know it all, then you'll never learn it all. <laughs> that's, that's a key thing for me. That's great advice. I love that. So tell me, what is your favorite part of your job? Working with the people. I mean, I, I love solving problems, combining business with the technology side. I learned that I was a, a natural people person. Just the attitude that I have on how I approach day in and day out of my life, of my personal life and professional life is just people. I love just being positive. And what would you say the most challenging thing about your job is? The people. <laughs> oh, no, it, it goes both ways. I mean, and I say the challenging part of it when you're working with people is trying to meet the needs and the expectations. So, again, going back to the, the type of industry that I'm in, customers and our companies are spending millions and millions of dollars for products. And if the product does not perform based upon what we said it would do, that can cause an issue. If I'm spending money with you, I expect the product to work. If the product breaks, I expect you to fix it right away, ASAP. So dealing with people, it takes a certain skill. It takes a certain patience, calmness. And, you know, you have to put yourself in a mindset that is not your fault. And it's not your fault to the sense that, you know, if it's a product issue, it's just something that you have to work through. You have to communicate with the customer. But all the customer is looking for is for you to resolve their issue. So how fast can you resolve their issue and give them the product that they paid for? So 
it's the good side of people and then it's the not so good side of people. But that's the challenges and the things of what I love. And that's why I love this space of being in service. Great answer. Well, we are going to finish with a speed round just so we can get to know you a little bit better. So go with your first instinct on these questions. First one, salty or sweet? Oh, sweet, which is dangerous now. I try not to eat as much now, but definitely sweet. I suppose that's not a fair question during January, so I apologize for that. <laughs> what is your favorite day of the week? Uh, every day. And I say that again, just going to the positivity of my mindset, my attitude is Every day that I'm blessed to wake is a good day. And that's how I live my life. I love that. Thank you for sharing. What is your go-to easy dinner? <sighs> well, when you say easy, I don't know if that's like a microwavable thing or something that you just go out and just cook. But something quick for me is, is probably like blackened shrimp or blackened chicken, something that's pretty easy. And nowadays I can put it into the air fryer and it's done in 10 minutes, right? <laughs> That's why I love this question, because I think easy is in the eye of the beholder. So I'm always yeah. curious what the sliding scale of easy means for others. <laughs> what are you reading or listening to right now? Anything we should add to our list? Well, I like all genres of music, uh, anything that, you know, detaches me from the day to day when I need to and something that's relaxing. But from a book perspective. The latest book that I just started to read last week, it's called Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy Seals Lead and Win. And it's, it's pretty much about, again, from a motivational standpoint or directional, is for an individual person to take ownership and accountability for all that they do, rather it's good, rather it's not so good, taking ownership of that and learning how to make it to your advantage to solve a problem. Oh, that sounds like a great recommendation. Thank you. How do you relax? Oh, that, that is probably the toughest question. I honestly, I, I believe I relax when my body tells me that I need to relax. I'm always on the go. I'm always moving. I'm always doing something. Even when I'm home, if I sit down too long, I feel like it's a problem. So like when I am sitting down and, you know, I doze off and I take naps on the weekend, that's, that's pretty much how I I relax myself. What is the best trip you've ever taken? Uh, a trip to Disney or a combination. It was actually a, uh, a Disney cruise followed by being at Disney a few days after that. So I think overall it was an eight day trip with my family. So my wife and my two sons, we did a Disney cruise for four days. And then we were on land at Disney or Disney World for four days. And that to me was by far one of the, or still is the best trip that we've taken. And actually we go to Disney every two years. There's no place like the bubble. No, there, there's no age limit at Disney, but we have a good time. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> and I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, Avanti's Gondola or Pub 2 Cheese Balls? Wow, that's that's so much of an easy question. I mean, gondola 110% all day. <laughs> I mean, just to the fact that you even raised that question right now makes me want a gondola. And I'm a little far away as I'm traveling this week. But yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to make a, a trip back to Bloomington and get me a gondola. <laughs> well, we're always happy to have you. 
One last question for you. If you could give one piece of advice to a college student, what would you say? Again, going back to just being open and learning how to interact and communicate with people, regardless of what industry that you go into, if you have any aspirations to advance within that company, you have to be able to communicate and work with people. I think people is, is, is probably the number one skill that any and everyone needs to have, even from an engineering perspective. Learn to work with people. That's the key piece of advice. So if, if you have a fear of working with people, the old trick, standing in the mirror, you know, talking to yourself and then going out and just learning to be more social. I think a, a lot of advancement within companies is getting to know the people that you're around, even if it's in an outside setting, going to a restaurant, going to a bar, learning to talk business from that standpoint, because everything is not always done in a, in a conference room. But just learning to be around people, and, and that's where you advance. People advance other people. So if you're not a people person, you're probably not going to go far in life. That's my opinion, but I've, I've seen it. The most successful CEOs, they understand and work with people. Great advice. Thank you. And thanks again for being here. That was Bobby Pilat, the Vice President of Service for North America eMobility at ABB. Join us next time on the podcast for more stories from our cast alumni.